welcome to this Sunday morning meeting podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Today's message is by Paul Abel. So, I want to talk to you about something Jesus said this morning. And, oh, they're laughing because you're still playing. Would you like to stop or carry on? <laughs> I'll let you stop. <laughs> I've heard you play for ages upstairs in the prayer room. Hallelujah. Richard and I were up there this week uh, preparing uh, the annual budget, um, which is a lovely work of faith and fantasy. And <laughs> well, we have to write down, for the courtesy of the Charities Commission, exactly how much you lot are going to give into the church over the year. You know, how do we really know what that is? You know? It's stuff like that. It's just a normal charity budget. But... Uh, one of, the, one of the things that really blessed us was uh, while, we were, while we were working through all these figures was, was Karina worshipping next door in the prayer room on the keyboard. It was just reminding me hearing uh, Claire play and she blessed us. She was, I don't know if you knew we were next door, but she was just worshipping God. And uh, it's, uh, it's just brilliant having that prayer room. If you've never been involved and you'd like to get involved a bit more, have a chat with Claire or Karina, come to that. And, uh, you know, just find out how much is going on up there. There's all different types of things and, and teaching as well about how to pray, all kinds of things to help you access uh, connecting with God in your own prayer life. So it's a good thing. But what is it I want to talk about then? Uh, well, it's John 14, verse 6. It's, uh, it comes up in many scripture memory things. It's, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to the Father except through me. Um, it's even one I learned in Greek once. So it's just a powerful one. But what I really, really want to focus on just this morning is I am the way. And I don't know if you know, historically, when Christians were first Christians, they weren't called Christians. That came a little bit later. People were first called Christians in a town called Antioch, and it kind of spread. It was actually a derogatory nickname, the Little Christs. It was supposed to be diminishing, so it's kind of ironic that it's become our badge of honor almost over the years. But what uh, the followers of Jesus were first called was called, they were called the people of the way or the followers of the way. From this expression, probably, highly likely, I am the way. And I love it because it's, it's, not, it's not saying something static, it's something moving. It could be I am the way, as in like a road. Well, a road is not something you just stand at and admire unless you're, you know, a strange enthusiast of motorways. Yeah, one's so gorgeous. You know, but most people will use a road to get somewhere. It has a purpose. And so part of what Jesus is saying is this is a way to get somewhere. And I think that's really important. I want you to bear that in mind when he says, I am the way. But it's dynamic. It involves movement. You can't actually use a road without moving. It is just something you look at. Um, it, it's also, it talks about how you might do something. There is a way to do it. If you want to join the hub team, and we always need people in the hub team, Brian Guy will teach you the way to make coffee and to operate the till. There is a way that we do it. It's, so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's something you can follow and understand so that you can make a cup of coffee that people will appreciate. So when Jesus says, I am the way, he's saying, this is how you can do something. This is what I'm about. But also, let's put it back in the context of when he's talking. So this is at the time when he's just really 
uh, in the preparing his disciples for the fact that he is going to be murdered, put to death on a cross. They don't know that. They don't appreciate that. And he is actually preparing them for the fact that that is going to happen. So if you've got an NIV, I think it's called Jesus Comforts His Disciples, for example, the title at the top. Because those titles that you see in your Bible are not in the original Greek or Hebrew scriptures. Uh, they've just been put in by the publishers. So never trust a title as, as, uh, like you would trust the scripture that follows. The title could be wrong. It could be somebody's complete idea. But this one's a fairly good one. I think Jesus is doing more than comforting his disciples, however. But uh, let's have a look. Go back to the, right at the beginning of just, uh, I think we'll just go back to the beginning of uh, chapter 14 and just have a little look in there. But, um, so if you want to keep a thumb in there, whatever edition you're using, I'm going to be using the Passion Translation. I'm just having a bit of fun using that recently. Um, well, if you were being asked, just, just run through some words right now in your mind for a minute. If you were asked, well, if Jesus is the way, what kind of words could you use to describe the way? Okay, just have a think, a private think to yourself for a minute. What kind of words could I use if somebody asked me, well, what is the way? What does it look like? You can just, you can just think. I'm not necessarily asking you to, to shout them out. I'll, I'll throw in a few in a minute. You may have come up with some excellent ones as well. I'm sure you have. One of the ones I came up with was personal, and, and another one was loving. If you think about it, it's this, it, it tells us, and we understand that Jesus is the full embodiment of God in human form. He gives up being God in heaven, as it were, and takes on the nature of a servant as a human being. I mean, it's pretty amazing that God would come and be born, don't you think? And submit to being brought up by a human being, a mother, Mary, to submit to the fact of being completely helpless at the hands of those he's created. He had to be fed. He had to be changed. He had to learn to walk and talk. Because in his humanity, he didn't know everything. He was still fully God and fully human, as Neil Douglas was talking about not long ago. But... As a baby, he couldn't talk. He wasn't like one of those icons where he sits there looking the personification of wisdom about to, you know, administer some wise words. He was just a baby. I mean, I think there was something about him, perhaps. But that would just be God's presence near him. But really, he wasn't even filled with the Holy Spirit until he was baptized. That's an incredible thought. You've got something he didn't have in that sense. <laughs> for most of his life. But, what else did you get? I've got saving, giving. One of, the, one of the things I really get out about the way is it's not some abstract concept. If you look at this almighty God, Elohim is the Hebrew name for the creator God, in human form, he's very personal. 
He's relating to individual people. He's walking with individual people. He's getting to know individual people. He's got friends. He goes for meals with his friends. He's got like Mary, Martha, and Lazarus who are in Bethany, who are, which is somewhere he likes to hang out. He's got family. He's got a, a, a mother and a father at home, Joseph and Mary. He's got brothers and, and sisters and whatever that involves with being part of a large family and all that side of things. It, it's all very, very personal and in there and, uh, and connecting. You know, it's not some remote concept. He's not, he's not a pretty picture on the wall. He's not some ethereal being just sort of, hello, I'm Jesus. And he's hovering about two inches off the floor, you know, and there's just a white glow around him all the time. No, he was sweaty and dirty isn't that a thought, that God was sweaty and dirty and probably a lot sweatier and dirty than us because we get to take showers and baths quite easily with modern deodorants. If you met him, if he walked in now as he was then, we'd probably think, hmm, someone living on the street a bit there, you know, and doesn't, doesn't go to the rainbow centre and makes use of the showers. I hope we'd give him a proper welcome, but, you know, he, he would probably come in looking a bit dishevelled if he'd been wandering the streets of Israel in the first century. It was very personal. And I think that's really important, that if that is the pattern of who God is, real flesh and blood, real family, when he says, I am the way, that's what he means. And anything that doesn't fit that must therefore come with a question mark. If you think of modern culture, it's all about organizations. It's all quite impersonal. It's all about having your bank account number, your social security number, your yougov.uk number, and all, all your different numbers. You're not, the tax office doesn't really care who you are. They just, care how, they just care how much you earn and how much you pay them out of that. You know, they're not concerned about whether you're happy. They're not concerned about whether you're healthy. Well, only as a secondary thing, because if you're healthy, you'll probably pay more tax. But... And that's not that they're uncaring in any sense, it's just that's the way we have it now, organizations. You know, an organization is more important than people. The, the, the company of Sainsbury's is more important than people. In most people's minds. And that's why it employs lots of people. It, uh, it, it, you know, it, yeah, it, and that's true, and that's good, and, and, I'm not, and Sainsbury's can be a great blessing to our town. But a corporation is not a family. It's there to make money. And it's there to make money for his shareholders. That's what they do. So therefore, when you look at those models, the models of management and leadership that makes a company successful, you've got to think, just leave a little question mark over that because actually church is family. Church doesn't need a, a huge hierarchical structure because the family doesn't have that. It honors the elders. It respects those who... Uh, of great wisdom, but it's family. It's about being together, and it's about moving and changing and doing different roles. We saw Adrian earlier as he lets go and stands back from the Community Angels post. That's been a great post of honor. He, I wasn't over-exaggerating when I, I was saying people in this community really value and honor and think a lot of him. So when he steps back from that, he could be thinking, oh, I'm losing all that honor, I'm losing all that status, I'm losing all that position. 
And he's absolutely right. He is. But that's not how God sees us. It's not his identity. His identity is Adrian in Christ. He's not worried about that because he knows that he's walking with God. And whatever God has for him is what God has for him rather than uh, I'm the community angels. I need to hang on to that as long as I possibly can because it gives me some status in the community. Status comes from corporations and companies and we're not from that. Do you see what I mean? So when we talk about the way, it's really important to see what is of the way and what isn't. I mean, modern culture is very disconnected from place. If you think, um, it doesn't really matter where Sainsbury's is, it can be anywhere, it'll be more or less the same. I'm not picking on Sainsbury's because I hate Sainsbury's, it was the first company name that came into my head. Um, uh, but, but particularly nowadays, a lot of, a lot of um, the way people are relating is online. So it's become very detached from where you are. And you say, well, you know, that's just the modern life. Yeah, it is, but Jesus came very local. Very, very, very local. Israel was tiny and a backwater. I'm sure if a, a human being decided to be God and make themselves known, you know, they'd, gone, they'd at least gone to Rome and won over Caesar. But that would have been a worldly mindset. And God doesn't work by domination and control. God works by love and acceptance. You say, well, you know, are you saying then that things like Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp and all those things, are they bad? I know I'm not saying they're bad at all. I'm just saying they're not local. And they can't give what Jesus came to give. You say, well, they, they could, Jesus couldn't have been on WhatsApp. It didn't exist. Well, he had full choice over when he came. He could have come in our generation for the first time and used social media and been in touch with the whole world through Facebook or one of the Chinese social networks that are just as big as these things. But he didn't. Also, he happens to be God, so if he'd wanted some kind of divine Facebook in the first century, some spiritual connection directly with every single person on the planet, he could do it. But he came in bodily form to a place Facebook cannot replace what God has given us. Twitter cannot replace what God has given us. In fact, I think social media is in danger of creating an alternative, disconnected culture that is leaving people with mental health issues and loneliness that is only just yet, be, just yet being recognized. It's, bringing, it's actually separating people because... People with similar mindsets are gathering together. So you can have a very un unusual view of the world, but in the entire planet, there will be others with those unusual views. So suddenly you feel you're part of a big group. And then Facebook and the others, using their algorithms of putting you together with those that you like, you end up in this small bubble. I mean, it happens to Christians too. You know, you can, if you're on Facebook as a Christian, eventually you'll only really have connection with Christians because they're the ones you seem to like and respond to, so Facebook gives you what you want. 
But there's a whole range of other views out there. There's a whole range of ways of understanding. And now I happen to believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no other way to the Father except through him. But that doesn't mean I can't listen to what other people are saying and try to understand where they're at, because I want to connect with them. You see, in the past, before... And again, I'm not saying these are all evil. I'm just saying we've got to understand how these things are being used to um, influence us and control us. Um, I'll come back to that. Let's move on into Jesus. Because even the Holy Spirit is local and personal. He comes to fill the person. If anybody could remain disconnected, it would be the Holy Spirit, so they're just hovering around. But he's, he comes and we walk with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enables us to walk the way. It's very personal. The Holy Spirit itself, the words that's used, mean wind or breath. When, when God created Adam, it talks of him breathing. It's like he kisses Adam and his life, the Spirit, leaves God and inhabits that person, bringing Adam to life. The life of God in you through the Holy Spirit is like a kiss of God. God kisses you and you receive life. It's personal. And Facebook can't replace that. When, when, when Jesus wanted to inaugurate everything to do with the way, just before he died, he started with a meal. It was, an, it was, the, it was their community meal of, of Passover. And he used things. Now there's genius. He used bread and he used wine, which is still normal things around 2,000 years later. Isn't that incredible? You think of all the things that wouldn't be normal that they could have had then. Bread and wine, it's still just there. And it's pretty much universal in one form or another. Isn't that amazing? But he starts it at a meal with his friends. Just think, Christianity, or the way, really, it began at a meal with friends with a glass of wine and some food, and he used the bread that was on the table. You don't get much more personal than that. This is no special event on YouTube. This is not a TV program. This is together. And again, I'm not saying that you can't, we can't use those things. We must use those things. But they mustn't replace. They can only ever be a tool, and we must focus on the things that God has given us, which is being together and connecting with people and walking the way together. Is this making sense? Yeah. Hopefully, it's not making you feel pressured. It might, it, you, might, you could feel pressured, See, somebody like myself, um, if I'm around people a lot, I need some time out because I can find being with lots of people quite draining. I come from the bunch of wonderful people that are called introverted, although I'm one of those introverted people that can be extroverted, so people think I'm extroverted. Whereas if you're an extroverted person, and I'm quite jealous of them, to be honest, you, 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 gain, you actually get energy from being with people. Though many extroverted people also need time out. It's not universal, you know, it's, it's, it's just matters of degree. Uh, so maybe if you're somebody that, you know, finds relationships exhausting or you've been through troubled relationships or you've had many hurtful relationships and things like that, for me to stay, stay here, well, it's all about being connected and knowing people. It can be just a little bit, hang on, all I wanted was a talk on a Sunday. 
That's okay. That's where you are. That's fine. Nobody can force you. We can invite you to a meal. We can invite you to a quiz and chilly evening. You don't have to come. But it, it, it is that connecting and hanging out. And, and something as innocuous as a quiz and chilly evening can have a deep spiritual effect in the way even deeper can. And I think that's what's disappeared often from the church. With August, we had a marvellous time away, those of us away. You know, it was just good. But a lot of the goodness was trying to kick the ball past Ron, who was in goal at one point. I was desperate to get it past him, and he was equally desperate to make sure I didn't score. I've never seen him, I've never seen him stretch like that before. He looked like John Travolta in a white suit as he stretched across the goal. <laughs> You did. And I, I was shocked because it was like accurate. And my, my football abilities are not renowned. And it was like going into the top corner of the goal. I was like, whoa. Big hand in the way. I mean, he did walk around the rest of August like this. <laughs> but, you know, those little things. Or, 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 the, or Alka organized some great sort of sports games. Well, that was part of it, actually. It was some great sports games. And just doing sports sporty type things together and, and then we had some may, um, sort of a bit like the crystal maze type games as well where we were all in teams doing puzzles that, that Kate sorted out and they were just fun and some people just sat around by caravans and tents chatting or joined in the barbecue and the time we had that was spiritual if you like I mean the, we had some amazing times with the youth uh, and, and the children and, and, and the adults together and then all together, particularly on the Sunday morning, was a highlight for me. They were obviously all really important. Gathering together is vital. But also, it was just the being together. You know? And we've got to pick on one another in the right way to say, cool, let's, just, let's just hang out together. You know? And sometimes if you're feeling a little bit left out, maybe people haven't contacted you like you'd like them to, then make the first step. Don't sit, don't, try not to, I've done it myself, I'm really good at this. When you're, when you're feeling like people should be taking more notice of you, you make it even more difficult for people to take notice of you. Ever done that? Am I the only one that does that? You know, you hide a little bit more just so you can be a little bit more justified in feeling unloved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm glad there are, well, no, I'm not glad there are a few more people like that, but I, I like the solidarity. I'll do that. I'll just hide a little bit more so people don't notice me even more, so I can just feel a little bit more justified in how unloving everybody is. It's a nonsense. It's these games we play with ourselves. Step out. Talk to somebody. You don't even necessarily need to bring the whole thing up because it will probably just start to evaporate. Because if I go and say to Jossie, let's have a drink together, and Jossie says yes, and we're, and we're out having a drink together, the light is shining on that relationship because we're actually doing something in the light rather than me hiding in the dark saying, Jossie never, ever asked me for a drink. <laughs> Miserable old so-and-so. All right? Instead of hiding in the darkness, I step out into the light and say, can we? And he says yes, and it's all just dealt with. It's when we hide in darkness and, 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 and hurt that... These things get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and then you have to go to the NHS for counselling. <laughs> Not to put anybody down that's having that either, but 
You know where I'm coming from? Maybe. The way, it was personal. It was local. He chose that time in history. You think about it. It could have really come at any time, couldn't it? He chose that time. It was a very interesting time because the Roman Empire, which was so wrong in so many ways, if you like, but what it had done was made it so that people could travel and messages could get to different places. Ah, oh, thanks, Jossie. Let's have a drink together. <laughs> um, <laughs> cheers. Um, but you could travel everywhere, but it was really personal. A person had to take the message and speak the message. Now, there was writing, so things were written down, and that's how we know what happened, so that made sense too. But even the writings that we have from Jesus onward, they're very personal. Think about the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're named after the person that wrote them. You don't get, that's personal. They reflect the different personalities of the people. Even some of the stories that are in the Gospels, God allowed them to be slightly different because one of them noticed that there were two people sitting beside the road and the other evangelist only talks about one of them because it's a personal account under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And how much of the New Testament is Paul's letters? I mean, we call them books and we call it the Bible, but they were Paul's letters to the churches and they've got personal greetings in them. And even things like, can you have a word with those two ladies and get them to sort it out between them? can't remember their names now. You, Tiki, and... I can't remember. Anyway, but yeah, but really personal. I mean, those poor ladies. There it is in the Bible for eternity that they would a falling out and, and, the, and the Apostle Paul is telling the leadership to, look, can you get there and knock their heads together? No, and get them together and make peace. You've got, you've got things in there that, that, that Luke writes down when... Paul the Apostle, who's written a nice large chunk of those New Testament letters we've talking about, has a falling out with another Apostle called Barnabas over Mark. What's that doing in Holy Scriptures? A falling out, an argument between two men of God, because they're personal. Even if we go back into the Old Testament, Isaiah doesn't read anything like Amos. Because the people that wrote down the word under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit were different. Isn't that incredible? And it's the Bible. So God communicating with humankind allows the personalities of the people doing the writing to influence the way his communication happens. He doesn't just dictate it. Because he's about connection and being personal. He doesn't actually want you to just to have this remote word. He'd rather you heard his word through a person. Because he's about being local and personal. I am the way. Personal, local, relationships, connections. Not organisations, not Facebook, not Twitter. You can't do church on Twitter. 
You can talk to somebody, but you can't do church. It's not a trite of connection. The, the ultimate connection, we talked about it already, was this local meal, this, this simple meal with friends, with wine and bread, and there would have been lots of other food on the table. They didn't just have bread and wine for that. That's how we do it as a practice. But, and you think what happens in, the, in, the, in, the, in communion. And it's a pattern for the way. You take the bread. You bless the bread. You break the bread. And then you give the bread. I mean, I'm talking really here about the priestly function, but you see we're, God has made us a kingdom of priests. That doesn't mean we're priests to ourselves. Priests minister to others. So Deborah here, she's a priest in the kingdom of God. She's part of the royal priesthood. But Deborah cannot minister just to Deborah. As a priest, she ministers to other people. That's one of the misunderstandings of the priesthood of all unbelievers. It doesn't mean you can just go it alone. It's nonsense. The priest ministers to others. That's what priests do. Even Jesus, the great high priest, ministers to us. So, as we minister to others in communion, so imagine you're the person, if you like, therefore holding the communion, which was what Jesus was doing. He took the bread. So the way is to take hold of the promises of God through Jesus. You've got to take hold of it. You can't let it sit there on the table. You take hold of it. Then it says that he blessed the bread. So you take hold of everything that God has for you, all the promises that are in heaven, Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. You take hold of it and you thank God for it. All the things of God. Often there are things we're waiting on, healing, provision. We take hold of it and we thank God for it. Just like you do in communion. So you take hold of it and you bless it. You're thankful Blessing means to be happy. So you're happy for what God has done. You dwell on what God has done rather than what's happening around you because you want to be blessed, as it were. You take hold of it. You bless it. And then if you're doing the, if you're leading it, whether it's just in a group of friends or in a church service, the bread is always broken to show that Jesus was broken, his body was broken, through the beating and through the cross. How does that apply? Well, when we surrender to God, our lives are broken of our selfishness. It's not a very popular uh, understanding. I mean, we live, if you want a bit more that's not of the way, we live in a consumer society where we must constantly have our needs met and advertising generates new needs for us that we didn't even know existed. We watch it and we think, and even if we don't think it consciously, it's going in. Yeah, I could really do with that new kind of butter. Because <laughs> it's just there, bombarding us. And social media, it's even more. It then targets our likes and puts things that we, it thinks we'll want. So it's, it, you, it's just taken down a few more of your defenses. You need this. You didn't until you saw it. And it sowed that thought. That's consumerism. And then very often... You can see this happening in the world and 
by the grace of God, let us never get there. The church becomes a consumer church, and people go to church to see what they can get to have their needs met. Now, when you go to church, your needs will be met, but let, will be met. And for many people, if you're coming in um, in, a, in a place of difficulty and hardship, it's right that that happens initially. But it's not supposed to go on and on that our purpose for being together is to have our needs met. Our purpose for being together is to connect with one another, to connect with God, to rejoice, to praise, to worship, and to be filled with the Holy Spirit to enable us to go and be the people that God has called us to be. It's a beautiful message of enablement. But very often it gets sort of shortcutted by needs. I need to get this answered. I didn't get much out of the worship. It's consumerism. You've come to consume the worship. Worship, it doesn't, on one level, it shouldn't matter too much how good it is because you're going to just give to God. That's good. I mean, by the grace of God, we've got some wonderful guys on, at the back on lights and words and sound and some great guys at the front leading us and singing and playing instruments. Amazing people, really anointed people. But we could have just one person on a guitar, really, and it should be that we encounter God because we've just come to worship together. In fact, you don't actually even need a musician. If you're in a house church, you can, you can just try and sing some songs that are easy to sing. Or, or make a Spotify playlist. You say, well, that doesn't sound very led by the Spirit. Well, ask the Spirit what songs to put on the playlist. It's a, it's a great gift, that that whole Spotify, you can just choose some songs. It's brilliant. For years, we struggled to do worship just using the same CD and having to program some tracks around. Very, very limited. Now we've got that, and you can just worship together. And there's even stuff out there that's more like the encounter music, and it doesn't even have words, so you can just sing prophetically with it. It's an amazing resource. But really, we're giving. So... The bread is broken to show that we too are broken. We should be broken in the right way. Broken of our selfishness. Broken of the need just to have our needs met. Because we've realized there's something so much more than that. One of the ways we actually have our needs met is when we realize we're here to give. Because actually the, the word actually says, when you give, you will receive. It's, it's, a, it's another level of place where you start to give. And sometimes, often I've seen people who've struggled with issues for ages and they start to learn to give to others and it's like those issues drop off them because they've lost the focus on self. They've been broken of that. And God can challenge us on certain things, you know, yet that needs to change. That is a level of brokenness. So maybe it's something that you want to, you know, you like watching a, some box set on Netflix and God says, that's not doing you any good. You think, well, it doesn't say in the word, I can't watch that. It's not too bad. It's not even an 18 certificate. And God says, I don't want you to watch it. It's not doing you any good. Do you allow yourself to be broken of that consumer desire to have to watch that or not? Because as you're broken of it, you'll probably feel initially, I want to watch it, I want to watch it, I want to watch it. About three weeks on, you won't even remember it. It takes about three weeks of consistent behavior to break most habits. Did you know that? 
It's not very long, really, is it? It's not absolutely everything, but it's a consistent role. Um, wow. I haven't even finished the introduction. <laughs> what happened? Did we just teleport through time? It's quarter to one. I am so sorry. Well, that's that then. <laughs> I am flabbergasted. My gab is definitely flabbered. Um, <laughs> well, there we go. That's an introduction-ish to the way, the truth, and the life. Well, I've got a quarter of a way through my notes, and my notes are the introduction, and then I've got the scriptures. We haven't got to the scriptures particularly. Anyway, we shall follow on another time. In the meantime, let's follow the way. Let's get on the journey. Have a great week. Be absolutely blessed. Hope to see you all next weekend. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Be blessed. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.